the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Proxy Freedom. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom has no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci of Proxy Freedom. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. Welcome to another edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus year financial manager, Pat Vitucci. You know, it's interesting, Pat, during the summer months, we typically think about getting a little bit of a break. The kids are off of school now. We're going to do a little traveling, enjoy ourselves, enjoy the warm weather or whatever might be on our agenda for the summer months. Kind of with the sense that, well, when we get into September and the kids are back in school again, we move back to routine. Then we have to kind of hunker down when it comes to solid money management because, of course, we've got a lot of fees associated with the fall. We've got taxes coming up for property and so forth. And then, of course, Christmas shortly around the corner. And so we we think of the fall as kind of the time to manage our money. But ironically, the spending continues through the summer, even though uh, we might go on vacation. Certainly our money does. And with all that, I think a lot of folks sometimes set themselves up for disappointment later in the year because they don't do a good job at managing their expenses or trimming the fat during the summer months. It's always a good idea. And sometimes, like Christmas time, we get a little irrational about spending money. Summertime can be the same thing, Craig. We we go on very lavish vacations that maybe we really can't afford or we take a couple extra days here or there. Tracking those expenses and evaluating those expenses relative to your normal budget, I think is something that really needs a fair amount of attention. If you're retired and you're pretty much used to working on a given monthly nut that you can spend, somehow I think retirees tend to be a little bit more deliberate and disciplined in their spending because they're a little more concerned. They don't have that big fat paycheck coming in anymore. So retirees tend to get a little bit more focused on the excess left over after all the fixed expenses. And I would encourage certainly those pre-retirees in the 50s, age 50s and age 60s to really look at those expenses, look at ways to get a little bit more frugal 
you know, suddenly TV, Craig, is a giant expense. You know, you and I are old enough to recall when TV was free. And now I'm amazed at the size of average TV internet bills at our home. Your TV is upwards of a couple hundred dollars a month. That's something that you didn't normally have to budget. That's true. TV today ends up being what a car payment was a few years ago. Exactly right. Don't let your saving go on vacation. If you've been diligent about saving 5 or 10 or 15 or 20% of your income, don't let that get interrupted. Keep that discipline going throughout the summer. You don't want to get your discipline to go on vacation. Live within your means and certainly enjoy vacation. You're you're entitled to it. You're, you're working harder than you ever worked in your life. Corporate America is putting lots of demands on families today. So you need that respite. If you're diligent about 401k savings or whatever your plan is at work, keep that discipline going. And then, of course, you always want to look at your debt load. You know, the debt load is always a ratio and a proportion relative to your income that I think you need to always reevaluate when that exciting second car option comes into play or do you go on a cruise this summer or do you go to Tahoe for a week? Looking at the aftermath, the exciting thing is going on vacation. The bad news, if you have to come back and pay that debt off over the next five years, that great deal you got at the hotels, suddenly it doesn't look as pretty when you've got a couple $3,000 bill lingering into Christmas and beyond. Pat, we tend to kind of backload many of the important responsibilities. We want to get through the summer months And then in the fall, we begin thinking about planning for Christmas. Maybe it's time to take a look at our estate and our will plan, certainly taking a look at financial planning. But what seems ironic to me is now at this time, while you're relaxed and summer is here and you've got a little bit more time, things a little bit easier at the office, you can take a day here and there. Maybe now is a good time to spend some time focused on taking inventory of your assets and possible income sources and make sure that, in fact, you have a solid retirement plan in place. You know, you've mentioned Christmas a couple of times. Now, I think I'm going to go out this weekend, Craig, and buy your Christmas presents. <laughs> get it uh, out of the way. There's not too many uh, shopping days left. And so um, I'm going to get uh, one gift you've been pressuring me for for years. Yeah, that, and those 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 kiddie pools are not available for sale in September or December that's, anyway. So. Well, that was, that was <laughs> maybe Santa Claus will be good to you this year. We really need to look at that, certainly looking at your portfolio design. Even more importantly, perhaps, if you're going to go on a giant vacation, is your estate plan in place? Do you have a will? Do you have a living trust? Do you have a health care directive? All those HIPAA forms, God forbid you get subject to a hospitalization. Without those HIPAA forms, it adds a lot of stress and consternation in any hospital admission. Get your legacy plans in order. I just had a 52-year-old young man died last week entirely unexpectedly. And to his credit, he had a trust in, in order. He had his HIPAA forms. He had everything absolutely crystal clear. So his wife going through this terrible mourning at least did not have to be distracted with hustling and trying to figure out all the issues relating to his portfolio. His beneficiaries were crystal clear. His ex-wife was off his 401k, his new wife of seven years now, the beneficiary. His children are contingent beneficiaries, not his new wife's children. Very easy to have your new wife, not to disparage any side of the spouse equation, but we've had more deceased members' children get screwed out of dad's money because maybe the second wife came in and certainly it belongs to her or vice versa. If she dies, the new stepchildren get the gravy and it's not real clear, Craig, in the beneficiary designations or the living trust what dad or mom's intentions were on death. And so... You have a lot of blended marriages where 50%, let's face it, of marriages end in divorce. 
we have found many, many times that ex-wives or deceased members of the family are still beneficiaries. And who are the contingent beneficiaries? Kids, or do we want not the kids? Do we want a charity? You know, all those things need to be updated. And so take the time this summer, perhaps, either create a living trust, a will, a healthcare directive, or modify an existing one that may not express your wishes like they did X years ago. Those are the kind of homework assignments that I think if you could take a half a day off, I think estate planning would be a great thing to button up this summer. Certainly at the same time, you can collaborate with one of our financial advisors. Please let me emphasize that tax and legal professionals are not a part of its staff, but we refer to professionals versed in those disciplines. When perhaps any of us think about the secrets to a happy marriage, it's usually things like a comfortable home with a picket fence, three or four children, the dog, occasional vacations, all the basic things that comprise the so-called American dream. But is there much more to it than that? Research tells us that of marriages that wind up in divorce, fully 50%, on average, the number one complaint bar none is financial challenges. We'll talk today about secrets to a happy marriage, financially speaking, with our host, Pat Vitucci. And, Pat, it's interesting. You know, we all say we can live without money so long as we have love. But at the end of the day, boy, lacking good money management skills can really put downward pressure on all that love business, can it? You know, you're such a Grinch, really. I mean, <laughs> you know, where was the romance in your life? There was such an unromantic topic to talk about money when you're in love with the person you've just fallen for, you, you know, you're just devoured by this person. It's just, and now you got to bring up money? First, first date, what's your FICO score? <laughs> now they ask for uh, FICO scores and bring a net worth statement on the first date or else don't waste my time. You know, it's a big time of year where people are getting engaged, setting out plans for their future. What a wonderful time. What a, all that excitement. But the pragmatism of the relationship has got to be studied. You can't just live in the clouds and you got to take off your rose-colored glasses and say, okay, let's talk about what's your opinion about money? What are your priorities what are your spending habits? What are your saving habits? What kind of baggage am I buying? Do you have a Visa card, MasterCard with $50,000 balance that you haven't told me about it? Oh, you'll tell me right after the honeymoon. Oh, by the way, honey, I forgot to mention, you know, that Visa card with the 50000 Oh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I should, I should have mentioned. I kind of forgot. It was just, you know, it slipped my mind. Well, all the stuff like that happens, sadly, all too often. It's all about communication, whether it's intentional or deception. And then the discussion can get pretty intense. And what's the cost of that kind of conflict? It can kind of put a sour note on all that love and all that euphoria that you're feeling. So we always talk about engaged listening. You know, guys are can't be watching a football game and talking about finances to your newly engaged gal or she can't be uh, polishing her nails while you're trying to review your financial statement. So engaged listening really is literally sitting face to face, no other distractions in the room, nobody else in the room, quiet time, and really getting a connection 
on what the priorities are. Most times it's it's going to work out nicely, but you got to look at body language. You got to look at, you know, who's being the more assertive? Is there more one dominating that kind of a, a discussion? Are there emotions in the discussion? Are there excuses for bad behavior perhaps? You really have to drill down and sometimes it needs a moderator of some sort, maybe a therapist, maybe a counselor of some sort. Somebody you really believe will create an environment which will engage in a conducive environment, an honest discussion about money. It's not a sexy topic. It's not a romantic topic. But creating an active listening environment, we think, is the key to a long-standing marriage. Listen, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got financial sins, if you will. We've all made bad choices, but it really takes that pause. Even if you go away for a weekend and all you talk about is, and write it down, document, our priority is to buy a house in the first three years or to buy a car or all those priorities are really important. Guys and gals have different ideas. We all have, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, as Dr. John Gray has always said. And even when it comes to money, we think very differently about money. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. But it's like all good marriages, you compromise. I've been invited into some of those sessions, and and most times they come out very productive, and there's good disclosure. If there's any past sins, they hopefully come out. You want to be honest and open with your future spouse, and even when it comes to financial stuff, it's becomes really, really important. Does it start, Pat, too, with being honest with yourself? And I ask that question because we all bring baggage, so to speak, into our marriage relationship that comes from our family of origin. So in other words, if mom and dad were really tight savers, either you learned and picked up that skill or or maybe you thought it was entirely too cheap of a way to live and instead of adopted a, hey, I'm going to spend an enjoy life attitude. And of course, when you get mixtures of folks, so either you have two spenders together, two savers together, or maybe a spender and a saver that can really create a lot of that acrimonious feeling over the issue of money. So is a big part of this starting by recognizing for yourself what your attitudes are about money and what you bring into the relationship? It's interesting that you say that because a lot of us have a very different opinion of ourselves about money than what somebody else may be more objectively looking at. We're a product of our parents, as you said, and how they handle money uh, you're either going to be more like mom or more like dad or maybe a blend of both. But it's that money personality you bring to the table. Being able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I really am a little extreme on this idea or I'm too lenient, I'm too conservative, I'm too cautious, I'm, I have an adversarial relationship with money. I don't get along with money. It scares the death out of me. And risk is that four-letter word I don't want to have anything to do with. So it's interesting um, that we have whole dichotomy, even about ourselves. You know, in a good marriage, you compromise. In my marriage, if my wife is in the mood for Mexican and I'm in the mood for Italian food, we compromise. We have Mexican food. So, you know, it, it's that issue that mom is not happy, nobody's happy. But we've got to make sure we don't have resentment. You can't keep giving in and not having your say at the table, as we often speak of. It's an open communication, a dialogue, and a compromise that, you get your way this time, I get my way next time. Or, you know, we want to spend um, this money on this vacation and I want to buy a car. You kind of compromise, you know, maybe a vacation this year and a, a new car next year or vice versa. But it's that compromise when there's not the communication, 
and it's subject to interpretation and then resentment sets in and then you get what the psychologists will call resentment flu this build up and then it just explodes over something really silly and you wasn't really the issue at that moment in time it was the collection of all the past compromises that you didn't get your way or she got her way or whatever the issue is it boils over and it, it will leak out in some way shape or form and that's not healthy either so it's a continual dialogue along the way that will keep that topic fresh and healthy on the right path to a good financial life together. Two Beatles tunes come to mind that kind of bookend this entire life experience. It begins with All We Need Is Love, and it ends sometimes with Will You Still Need Me? Will You Still Feed Me When I'm 64? I like it. The irony, of course, Pat, between those two is as much as we think about we start the marriage relationship off, so we begin with maybe getting some financial counseling at the start of the marriage so that everybody is together on the same page and pulling together toward the same goal is probably a smart thing. Thing to do. You know, it really is. We counseled thousands of young people and some not so young people. You know, the young people are, are easier, 20 or 30 years old. They, they don't have a lot of financial baggage with them. How about second marriages when they're 50 or 60 years old? That becomes a little bit more of a challenge because now there's prenups and how unromantic is a prenup. But those discussions are even more important because there's generally a lot more assets on the table or liabilities on the table. And so getting that communication for a second marriage is demonstrably tougher discussion, but hide stuff from each other. It will only result in hard feelings. You'll come home one day and something will come in the mail and your spouse opened up something that she thought was innocuous and it turns out to be an item that you didn't confess to. That becomes a problem. My special guest today is Dan Vito. Dan is the senior vice president of a company called AgeWave. Dan is responsible for developing innovative financial tools and also provides keynotes on the changing nature retirement and its impact on boomers. Dan, welcome to the show. Pat, I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you. Dan, the good news is we're living longer. The bad news is we're living longer. And longevity is certainly an issue when it comes to financial kinds of things that frankly worries a lot of people. Are we going to have enough money to live on? I think that's right, and that's the right thought for people to have. You know, as retirement change, it does create this um, more volatile outcome, if you will. As we have the potential to live longer, that creates exciting opportunities for all of us as individuals. But it's incumbent upon us, therefore, to do a very good job planning for retirement because for those that prepare, retirement will be wonderful, better than their parents' retirement. For those that don't, it will become, in fact, quite daunting. We talked off air, and I think you said something I'd like to talk to our listening audience about. When we have a pain in our body, let's say we have a bad knee, we go to the doctor, we get it figured out, and the doctor prescribes something, and we hopefully most times feel better. We have financial issues. There's no pain in your knee or pain in your ear, but there is something going on that needs attention, and frankly, we don't have the sensitivity to understand that. Yeah, I think you're right, Pat. When I speak with people, I always recommend that just like going to a doctor and getting a checkup once a year or so, you ought to visit with someone and you ought to visit with someone who is a trained professional in the area. The danger, as you correctly point out, is that if you have an issue with your financial situation, you don't want to let it go too long. 
because then when it really becomes obvious to you, oftentimes, you know, it's, it, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's much more difficult to recover. The one thing that we do as part of our full financial plan services, Dan, as you well know, is we create a kind of a pro forma budget. A lot of listeners are entering the stage where they are about to take the leap and retire pretty scary moment in time. And what we do is prepare that pro forma budget. What will your income stream look like? What will your budget look like? And it's that financial empowerment that really we need to understand. That's a pretty anxious time in people's lives. Sometimes I refer to it as the transition from being paycheck dependent to becoming portfolio dependent. And that is an enormous shift. If you are prepared and if you've worked with someone who's really set you up correctly, it doesn't need to be a time in your life of great worry and concern. But if you are just kind of leaving things a chance and figuring it out on your own, well, maybe you've done a good job, but perhaps not. And I have certainly been in conversations with countless numbers of people who, unfortunately, retirement doesn't turn out to be this wonderful life stage and deliver the potential that it could be because they're so worried. And worry is one of the things that can rob people of the great potential that retirement holds for all of us. What I found interesting the last couple of years is the financial services industry is really reacting pretty positively and pretty strongly to this longevity issue that we're talking about today. The whole creation of new investment products that have the sustainability and the design to last us our entire life. I mean, this is, this is a whole new dimension, a whole new array of uh, products. You're exactly right. And um, I think the financial services industry is making great strides. By the way, I would also comment as a student of this that I think we're probably somewhere in the top of the second inning. I think we will continue to see product innovation each and every year. And by the way, that's also why it's important to stay on top of this. And so if as an individual you don't have the time or the inclination to be on top of it all the time, that's why it can make sense to work with someone who that is their primary profession, their full-time job. Yeah, I guess the further challenge is a lot of boomer kids are kind of sandwiched between taking care of mom and dad and maybe not only from a time element point of view, maybe from a financial point of view, and also have children. I think Ken Dykold in his many books has said that most boomers are taking care of more parents than they are children. They have one or two or three or four parents and maybe only one or two children. And so that presents a whole nother challenge, doesn't it? Sure does. You know, people think that they've been saving and that somehow that money is... um, safe, and it's strictly for their retirement. And what they sometimes forget is there can be shocks to the plan, right? So what happens if dad becomes in a capacity that, you know, we're just unable to care for him and we need to, you know, provide him some sort of professional help? Well, that doesn't come cheaply. And so people need to take a very holistic approach and sense for what this money is for and what it could be used for and protect themselves against taking their retirement plan, their well-laid retirement plans and taking them far astray. From a time management point of view, I mean, we have seen where one of the spouses has to quit his or her job to take care of mom or dad uh, in lieu of paying seven or eight, nine thousand dollars a month for care, either in a home or in home service. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, a lot of people choose to provide the care themselves, thinking that it's not as much out of pocket. Of course, if you're not working there, there is a financial impact. And there are lots of clever approaches to uh, taking care of these expenses. Because what you don't want to have, and I've I've seen this happen too, and it's a great tragedy where, let's say, uh, my uh, mother or father who has taken literally a lifetime to cultivate a certain sort of reputation, if you will, and relationship with her children ends up requiring so much care that the tragedy could be that the children end up resenting them in the last years of their life. And what a terrible destruction of a potentially very positive legacy. And so we think it's worth taking the time and effort 
to really think this issue through. It's not pleasant. Certainly recognize that. But it's worth thinking it through because it has, you know, long-lasting impacts. It's that whole dynamic of the family that most of us don't just want to, you know, send mom or dad to home unless certainly if there's medical needs and uh, diminishment, then certainly that needs to be done. But it's all those interim middle-of-the-road kinds of issues where mom and dad are still capable but maybe not capable of living alone. And so it really does challenge not only the financial pockets, but the balance of our time that we spend and the um, level of commitment without ignoring your other responsibilities, right? That's exactly right. Working with Ken Dykewald, as you have, Ken is a longstanding writer of this whole age wave, and you certainly have had a lot of experience in that area as well. What are some of the chief things that you've seen change over the years as you've studied this age wave? As we uh, study this, one thing we know for certain, and that is that retirement is changing. And as This group of individuals, right, this generation we collectively refer to as the boomers and a retirement, you know, it causes us to think, well, this is going to be the healthiest, wealthiest, best educated group to ever enter retirement. And by the way, they have the longest life expectancy ever. And so to think that they're going to live retirement as generations did before them is really quite naive. So that has implications, right? It has uh, implications for our society, for our social structures. It has implications for uh, our government benefit programs, for our employer benefit programs. And finally, it has implications for the individual. And what we always recommend is as people get closer to retirement, they should think about their retirement plan. And when I ask someone what their retirement plan is, most often they jump to, oh, well, let me tell about my IRA or or my 401k. And I say, well, that's great, but that's not your retirement plan. That's how you're going to fund your retirement plan. And so what we often point out is don't just take care of the financial piece of it. Think about what you're going to do. If you have another 25 years of life, this next chapter, what's going to kind of motivate you to get up in the morning? And by the way, when you do that, you'll become more excited about retirement and therefore probably more willing and able to find the savings and investments that you need to make that dream come alive. We're talking today with Dan Vito. We're talking about longevity and what are you going to do about retirement, not just from a money point of view, from a time management point of view. I'm going to ask Dan to stay on for our second segment, and we're going to talk about revisioning retirement. Both Ken Dykewald and Dan have talked about four retirement segments. We'll pick Dan's brains in the next segment about what kind of retiree are you going to be. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you have any questions for Dan or myself, or if you would like that no-obligation consultation, call our toll free number one triple eight plan wise that's one eight 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 p-l-a-n-w-i-s-e dan both you and ken dykewald have talked about this revisioning retirement talk to our listeners about what do you mean by revisioning retirement what's wrong with our dad's retirement dan <laughs> well you know uh in fact there may be nothing wrong with it if, if that type of lifestyle appeals to you however it's unlikely you're going to be able to have that type of retirement just because of the changing nature of our benefits, uh, our expected longevity, and, and really where, uh, as we sense, you know, people's interests uh, lie with respect to retirement. So we undertook some work to really try to get underneath retirement because prior to this work, people had the inclination to toss people into one of two categories. You were either pre-retired or retired. And if you were retired, essentially all retirees look the same. And so what we said is, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. We know that's not true. Why don't we dig underneath the covers here and see if there are different retirement experiences? And lo and behold, what we found is that, in fact, there were different segments of retirees, and we discovered four of them. What we found is there were four distinct categories, and that um, virtually everyone fits into one of these four categories. The first one you call ageless explorers. Talk to us about ageless explorers. Well, ageless explorers are a fantastic group. They're very engaging. They make up 27% of the population. And they're the kind of people who don't look at retirement as a time to take the foot off the gas pedal and just coast along. 
they are as busy as ever. Now, they're busy on things, perhaps, other than full-time employment to make a living. They may be volunteering. They are, in many cases, working. Interestingly enough, when you ask these people, when do you think they're gonna, you're going to get old? The typical response is, never. These are folks that are living life to the fullest and enjoying what is the greatest gift of retirement. Greatest gift of retirement is I have control over how I want to spend my time. The time clock. That's we, right. We've got control of the clock. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Do we all want to be ageless explorers? Not everyone wants to be. And, you know, there's no judgment being passed here. There are just four different groups. Another group that a lot of people find quite appealing, we refer to as the comfortably contents. This makes up 19% of the population. Comfortably contents are appreciating the gift of time, but it's a time for me, if you will, right? I like to spend time reading the classics that I never had a chance to read because I was raising three kids and taking care of mom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I like to spend time in the garden. Would you like to go volunteer at the hospital? No. What in the heck would I want to do that for, right? Mm -hmm. They really enjoy just spending time for themselves. Mm -hmm. They look at it as a time of reward. They deserve it and they're entitled to it. I'm feeling depressed about what's coming. Your third group is called Live for Today's. That's right. Live for today's. Um, they make up 22% of the population. By the way, they're wonderful people too. I mean, they're, they're kind of fun people. As the name implies, they live for today and pretty much lived for today most of their life. While that has been a wonderful experience, they are haunted by an extreme, sometimes subconscious, but certainly their sense of worry because deep down they know they're not in you know good straits right now. So um, they're anxious. They're very anxious. As that level of worry and anxiousness increases, they become less able to truly live for today. Regret they should have done more? Absolutely. They kind of recognize, gee, I probably should have done a few things a little bit earlier and mitigated some of this. But, you know, when you're in retirement, it's, uh, it's tougher to recover. It's better to take care of things before you cross that threshold than try to recover when you're in retirement. Some of these folks may be working part-time jobs to make ends meet. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Some of them are. And the great difference, of course, is that the Aegis Explorers they're working because they want to. They're engaged by their work. The money is not it's a big n- issue. That's right. It's not the primary motivator. People who are working in, say, the Live for Todays, mm-hmm. they're working because they have to. And yeah. there's a whole different sense of work when you approach it that way. When you wake up in the morning and you're doing it for money, it feels different than doing it because you're adding value and you're contributing or there's a social aspect to your job. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. The last one is the title doesn't sound all that exciting. And some people obviously don't select this, maybe through bad health, call it sick and tired. That's right, Pat. The last group is a sick and tired group. And unfortunately, we found is it's the largest group. 32% of the population find themselves in the sick and tired group. Many of them, in fact, are suffering from health-related issues. But even beyond that, those that aren't, it's an attitude. And they have effectively given up on life. They are highly disengaged, either with family, community, work, volunteering. And they are basically waiting to die. You know, it basically amounts to a retirement nightmare. We'd like to say that through efforts like this um, and the work that you and, and other, you know, competent professionals can do with folks that you can actually steer people away from that group. See, people don't actually pick a group per se. People are on a track towards one of these four groups well before they hit retirement. You know, if you're not taking care of your house and, you know, your financial situation, you're more likely to end up in one of the last two categories than if, you're, than if you are. If you're a 40-something living today and you find yourself, can people change it? Absolutely. You're never, ever too late to improve your outlook, right? You can be uh, on the cusp of retirement, but there's still time to improve how things are going to go for you. It's a decision you make when you wake up in the morning, isn't it? It is. People in retirement are healthier and actually live longer if they have a reason to get up in the morning, 
right? Mm-hmm. So coming back to this notion that retirement plan is more than just the financial piece of it. If you have a long life ahead of you, what's going to be your daily motivation? Uh, the average retiree today watches 43 and a half hours of TV. That is, quite frankly, you know, uh, I believe personally, a terrible misuse of talent. When you're retired, you have the wisdom that only comes with experience, right? And wouldn't it be wonderful to redeploy some of that knowledge and experience into something that you're excited about where you can really make a difference? Dan, I had a listener come in uh, just about a week ago. I go through my normal questioning and getting to know the client, and I talked about when will you be retiring? And the fellow's answer is 12 years, four months, and looked at his watch and said seven, <laughs> 17, 17 hours. And I thought, my gosh, this guy hates his job. I said to him, I said, you know what? It doesn't sound like you like your job. Why don't you consider something else? And he kind of looked at his spouse and she poked him and she said, you see, I told him the same thing. <laughs> you only go around once. And, and that's the kind of person potentially that will go into retirement. Having this vision that retirement is something, this, you know, walk on mountaintops and sailing on the ocean. And it just doesn't happen that way because you embed bad attitude for 50 years. You don't wake up 50 years in one day and suddenly have a bright outlook, right? You're exactly right. And I'm not saying this is your the client that you're speaking with, but, you know, I've met folks who are the most curmudgeonly of people in the world. I mean, the, the person you hate sitting next to on the plane, right? Because they, right. all they have is just negative attitudes coming out. But when you ask about retirement, oh, all of a sudden one day pop, the whole world's going to change and life's yeah. going to be wonderful. I mean, people truly believe that. Yeah. But as you point out, that's just unfortunately not reality. You program your body to thinking that way for 50 years. It doesn't change. And they tend to be the bitter, grumpy retiree that we've seen. Grumpy Old Men uh, a movie is kind of the uh, classic, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. Now, it is interesting. I will share with you that some people who are grumpy generally do experience a short period of, I will call it euphoria, but almost euphoria, right? So finally, I've left that job that I hate. And for a short period of time, unfortunately, it's almost always less than a year. They are excited to do the things that they want to do, but pretty quickly it catches up to them and they fall into their old habits. They get back into the rhythm of what they were comfortable being a cranky person, right? Right. Dan, I appreciate all the good work you and Ken are doing. If there's any questions for Dan Vito, Dan Vito, again, works with Ken Dykewald. They're doing a lot of good work on study of aging, and I've read a lot of your material. So, again, congratulations for doing a really nice job. Any listeners have any questions for Dan or myself, or you'd like to capitalize on that no-obligation consultation where we not only talk about financial things, but we talk about what are those other things you're going to do in life. I mean, money is one issue, but what are you going to do with that 24 hours a day? And so we'd be glad to chat with you and come into one of our offices for that no obligation consultation. Call one triple eight plan wise. That's one eight 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 P L A N W I S E. Dan Vito, thank you so much for joining me today. Pat, it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area's offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. 
That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Proxy Freedom. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom has no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.